Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, it's Ellis. Before we get into today's Orange and Brown Talk podcast, I want to tell you how you can get signed up for Football Insider. Visit cleveland.com slash browns and click the blue banner at the top of the page. That'll give you exclusive access to content, a daily newsletter, and insider text messages from myself, Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, and Scott Pasco. Everyone expects this to be a memorable Brown season. Make the most of it by becoming a Football Insider subscriber. All right, let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. My name's Ellis Williams. The Browns are victorious 31-21 over the Houston Texans. Both teams moving to one and one. I'm joined by Mary Kay Cabot, Doug Marie, Scott Pasco, and Dan Lobby for our instant reaction to this game. And we got a lot to get to, but y'all, I think we need to start with this Browns defense and Joe Woods. This is a Houston Texans team that we all expected to come in and look professional, but not leave the Browns uh, looking and guessing in many spots. That first half was a 10 for 11 performance passing wise for Tyrod Taylor, 125 yards, I believe a passing touchdown, a rushing touchdown. And quite frankly, it seemed like the Browns got lucky when he held up with a hamstring injury and did not start the third quarter. And they are able to escape again, 31-21 victorious. Uh, Mary Kay, let's start with you. Uh, more questions and answers on this defense. And where do the Browns go from here uh, with the potentially even more problematic Justin Fields coming to First Energy next week? Well, you know, I, I think the thing to remember is when we were out there every day watching training camp, we very rarely saw these defensive players working together. They were injured. They were sidelined. Uh, these guys just did not practice much together. So you're looking at a completely overhauled defensive unit. And I think we all sort of thought that they, you know, they have playmakers and play some good football early on. But I think we all had a sense that it was going to take a little while for it to come together and to figure it out. And there are some really young guys on this defense as well. Uh, Grant Delpit played his first game I mean, he showed some really good things uh, but once again it's trying to get everybody to work together Greg Newsom uh, you know Greg Newsom had a, a big pass interference flag called against him uh, you know Denzel Ward was targeted on that very first drive a number of times which I was a little surprised about that uh, but Tyrod went after Denzel a little bit that was uh, very interesting but I just think that they're, the arrow is going to be up on this defense, but they just don't have their mojo down. And when you look back to last season, and you remember what happened with the Kevin Stefanski offense, it took until about, 
you know, the bye week midway through the season when it was like, okay, let's throw out what's not working. Let's hone everything and get it all rolling in the same direction. I think it's going to be like that a little bit for this defense. You got to figure out who's, who's good on the goal line. Who's good on third down. I mean, their third down package needs to, to be tweaked. Um, but I, I think that, you know, that's what's going on right now is the defense is playing its preseason right now. But the games have started. But the games have started. I, I'm in my basement. You guys are professional <laughs> journalists at the game. Did you guys think they'd get more pressure today? Mm-hmm. I, I did. That, that was the thing that stood out because everything Mary Kay is saying is correct. And Clowney's good against the run. He made a couple of, like We know mm-hmm. that. But, you know, that part of it seems like, oh, well, they should still be good at that. It, it didn't feel like there was the, the Houston offense was under duress very much. And that's just, I mean, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad when I say things and people seem to agree. It, that surprised me. And I don't know what to make of it because we all know Miles Garrett is great, but he sure didn't impact the game in a major, major, major way today. And I think anytime that's the case, you're, you're a little surprised. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think it's concerning because I mean, Tyrod Ty- Taylor was 10 of 11 today for 125 mm-hmm. yards. I mean, one incompletion. And, you know, I, I agree with Mary Kay in that I think this is going to take time. All of this is kind of hedged in that discussion of, hey, it's week two. And who knows, maybe by week 14, we're like, oh, man, remember in week two when we were really concerned about this defense? That, that's entirely possible. But, you know, in the moment, it's concerning that Terod Taylor did what he did today because Mahomes, look, Mahomes does so many things on the move. It just causes so many problems. And Terod Taylor's not like that, Right. He's pretty one-dimensional when he runs, and, and he, he's not a guy that lights up the scoreboard. And, you know, you got, Ellis, you mentioned, Justin Fields potentially coming to town next week. You know, he, he's got that, that ability. Kyler Murray right now, you know, as we're recording this, is just putting up ridiculous numbers. He's thrown a couple picks, but he's putting up insane numbers right now for the Cardinals. You're going to have to deal with that pretty soon. So you, you kind of have to get this stuff figured out, you know, coming up because – it's just concerning. It was concerning what we saw today. It can be fixed. This defense could be better 10 weeks from now, but right now this is all we have to work off of. Can I interrupt with the thought, with the thought that is like Ellis Williams thought, if this is a defense that was built to stop Lamar Jackson, does that mean that Terod Taylor is exactly the kind of quarterback they're not built to stop? And is it possible they will actually be better off trying to deal with someone like Justin Fields next week? who's a great athlete, but, you know, like doesn't really know what he's doing yet. And he likes to hold the ball and try to make big plays. And Taylor wasn't going to do that. He's going to get the ball out of his hands, take what's there, make crisp, short little throws. And, and is it possible that, like, not that Kyler Murray is going to be easy, but that's what this defense is built to do. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Tyrod Taylor is like the kryptonite for a defense that is sort of built to have fast guys slow down a super dangerous athletic quarterback. That's a scary thought. Tyrod Taylor is a kryptonite. Uh, you, but you really got to wonder what this team, game would have been like if he hadn't gotten hurt because how well he played. Uh, they were four or five, really, on third downs. They the first half, four or six, but four or five when they were trying. They were trying to run out the clock there at the end. Uh, and that's, that's a problem. I mean, Miles Garrett kind of gave them credit for their game plan and throwing when they really weren't expecting it early on. Uh, and that, you know, that caused problems. And he, he got into the whole chemistry thing, and it might take time and all that. And I think a lot of people kind of assume that that's the case. Uh, but it was 
it was surprising just to, also just to see them getting like chunk plays too. Um, it, you know, again, it just goes back to whatever it is, this team seems to find a problem and they stick with it and they make sure it, it causes them to play in a close game. Well, doesn't, doesn't it seem like uh, teams, well, they're, they're playing a lot of mobile quarterbacks this whole season. They're going to play a lot of guys like that. Again, like the Kyler, Kyler Murray's, uh, you're going to have Lamar Jackson twice. You're going to have a lot of guys that can move. And that obviously has a tendency to, in some cases, neutralize the sacks and the rush a little bit. And, you know, you just have to wonder how that's going to impact. Miles Garrett, through two games now, has one sack. Uh, and, you know, last week's came very, very late in the game. It came just when you needed it. But, uh, you know, this whole entire game, for him to be held without a sack, in addition to teams chipping him and really trying to take him out of the game and shut him down. I mean, that's job number one for every defense. Uh, I think the mobile quarterback thing is going to be a factor in terms of what he's able to do. I think a lot of us headed into this season thinking that he's going to be the number one candidate for NFL defensive player of the year. But if they're running the heck away from him, it's going to be hard and they're chipping him and all that. It's going to be hard for him uh, to put up those kind of numbers. I mean, I don't know what the sackers did today, but Chandler Jones had five already last week. So through two weeks, uh, you know, in terms of just him being that guy, that impact player, uh, he, he hasn't had an opportunity to do that yet. That's one thing I wanted to bring up. And then the other thing real quick is I, I am curious to know what you guys thought about the fact that Denzel was a little bit targeted mm-hmm. uh, in the first quarter, particularly, <laughs> which I kept looking up and seeing the number 21 thinking, wait a minute, <laughs> what's going on here? That's your lockdown, shut down guy. So I was surprised about that. So before we get to Denzel real quick, this is the part of the pod where we should, and Scott mentioned it a little bit earlier, highlight te- the Texans' solid and, and professional, well-organized offensive game plan. They, Miles Garrett admitted that they were not ready in the first half for a, a quick style of passing game. Uh, predicated on, and like Mary Kay said, going at Denzel Ward when when they needed uh, some more, you know, intermediate yardage, and then just quick game to the running backs on the outside. And the, I think that the pre-stamp motion and the misdirection in the backfield really uh, messed with the Browns linebackers and screwed up their flow and their direction of where the ball was really going, that, that artwork in the backfield, if you will. The, the Tyrod Taylor 15-yard touchdown is a play more off script and freelance that you would tailor to the likes or compare to Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray. So really it's just a overall poor first half offensive performance because whether you take the freelance touchdown that you'll get from Kyler and Lamar that Tyrod's able to do and Miles Garrett's unable to track him down or you take the 10 of 11 efficient passing that is unlike Lamar or Kyler but is a testament to uh, uh, quite frankly Joe Woods getting out game planned, it, it becomes problematic. And I, they, I think the Browns dodged a, a big bullet in having to deal with Davis Mills in the second half. Let's expand on Denzel Ward here. They were not afraid of going at him. This is two weeks in a row now where uh, opposing teams, number one wide receiver, I'll just say gets the best of Denzel. That was no, there was no debate of that in week one with Tyreek, but then you see Brandon Cook's first half stats and he's five targets, five receptions for 50 yards and, and a critical third down and nine. They threw right at him. Uh, cause for concern here for, for a number one pick looking for, for a payday and, you know, 14, 15 per year contract money. I mean, I mean, of all the guys that we shouldn't be worried about, it's Denzel. I mean, 
he should be kind of, he's kind of like Miles. You set it and forget it with him. He should just be a guy that we're not concerned about. And, you know, I, I've said here, his contract is basically like, do you want to pay him 80 or $90 million? That's sort of the number for a, for a shutdown or a number one corner if, you, if you're going to extend him. Once that contract gets signed, you know, he's, he's got to be better than he was today. Now, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me as far as how often he was targeted, what he actually gave up. Um, but yeah, I mean, you want your number one corner to kind of scare a quarterback. And obviously that wasn't the case today. Mm -hmm. Anyone else? Denzel thoughts? You're going to make us be mean to Denzel. Really? I mean, like he sure looked, didn't look like he played well. And it's like, okay, it's definitely, is he going to be 80 million or 90 million? And it's like, well, what are they going to do? Not sign him. But it's like, right. that didn't look like a number one corner. Well, I don't that's know. That's the issue. I mean, I he, mean, but what are you yeah. going to do? Like, he's got to yeah. play better. So, I mean, it, there were a couple times it seemed, I don't know. It's like, he's a little bit off in the coverage. They were showing on the replay. It's like, he's like sort of playing outside leverage and gives up like a wide open inside route. And it's like, okay, I don't, know why that happened did they decide hey play it this way and then they're giving stuff up I, I i don't know but it seemed like it almost seemed like the stuff in the first quarter especially was so easy it was almost like are they doing this on purpose right like is it something and that they're trying to do something with the coverage that they don't want to i don't know because if you just let him go and man up and get in somebody's face i feel like he could do more than he did but he was giving up some cushions. And so I don't know that it's all like, well, Denzel Ward's lost it. I mean, that, not that anybody's actually saying that, but it, it makes you wonder how they used him and why it seems so easy for Taylor to do what he wanted to do against their number one guy. Well, Taylor knows him too. That's another thing about Tyrod Taylor. He's a very smart and experienced player and he was here and he knows these guys. So he was able to help in game planning against uh, Denzel and miles. He knows where some of the skeletons are buried a little bit, which might be a little tiny bit of a factor. Um, and then the other thing that I think is important to note as we go through this season, and I've, I've been trying to make this point in, in, on some of our pods and different things that we've done, uh, and that is teams now do have uh, a book of film on the Browns offense and the Browns defense. So you're going to see some different ways they're getting attacked. Uh, that you might not have seen last year. I mean, when teams go in now to play Lamar, they, they know what they're getting against Lamar Jackson. They know what they're getting against Josh Allen, blah, blah, blah. But now teams have had a chance to, to really study the Joe Woods Browns defense and to really study the Kevin Stefanski Browns offense. And so you're, you're seeing some different things. I'm really surprised about the way the Texans played. They were very, very well coached, very well prepared, and they caught the Browns off guard uh, in a number of ways. And I, like Scott mentioned earlier, I really do think that, uh, that had Tyrod Taylor been able to finish out the game, uh, that anything could have happened, and uh, they may have gotten lucky. Well, I, I will say this, and I know we'll get to the offense at some point. When Baker came back in the game, the offense started to cook a little bit. I mean, they, they came away with points on four straight drives. Um, they, they kind of found their rhythm a little bit when Baker came back into the game. So I, I think that's part of it too. When, when we talk about whether they would have lost this game had, had Terod Taylor seen it. I thought the offense, I don't want to go too far down that road just yet. I thought they found themselves a little bit um, a, after Baker came back. Did you guys, what did you guys think of that three safety look? We got our first look at that today. 
Yeah, it, it needs more work. Uh, it, Tyrod's touchdown came with uh, those three safeties on the field. They were in man coverage. They actually had uh, Jadavion Clowney and Miles Garrett on the same side uh, rushing Tyrod as well. And it, to me, it really goes back to what Mary Kay said at the start of this podcast is it's, it's continuity. It's having time and reps uh, as a pass rush, knowing the tendencies of your four guys up front and Joe Woods being comfortable in his, like Mary Kay said, again, her, his third down packages, is this going to be a, a zone heavy team or is this going to be a team that can play man on third down? How do they force more field goals? Uh, there's, there's just not an identity to the defense yet. So when you ask about how the three safety formations look promising as we've, we've felt, but this defense lacks an identity as a whole, aside from just having three safeties on the field at times. I think, I think it's going to be good. Solve, Go ahead, Scott. I was going to say, I think they need to solve what they're doing at linebacker, and then that safety trio kind of falls into place once you – ideally, once you get JOK playing, uh, being one of the guys who's getting majority of the reps, I think that all kind of fits together a lot better. And then you start to get the identity. I wonder what impact not having Anthony Walker, the mm-hmm. defensive signal caller, had on this defense today, right? You've already got a really brand-new – group of guys all trying to work together. And in the same way uh, that the offense had to overcome Jarvis not being there, you know, maybe there was a little bit of that with, with Anthony, not so much just from his play down in and down out, but for what he brings in terms of getting everybody lined up correctly, getting the signals called correctly and making sure uh, that everybody's in the, in the right place at the right time. That may have uh, had a little bit of effect. They, they looked flat. I mean, they just looked flat and and that was just bizarre uh because they have enough fiery leaders i think on the defense that uh that i i didn't expect them to you know to come out like that or to sort of remain like that but i will say this i mean there are there are flashes of things to come you guys talked about the three safety package grant delpit looks like a player okay he looks like he's going to be really good and if he can keep that up He's going to start inside. He's going to start at safety, and Ronnie's going to be the third safety. I mean, that, that's what they always wanted. That's their second-round pick from last year. So if he's healthy, he's going to be a starting safety before too long. And, and if he can make plays like that, remember how excited they were, were about him last year? I mean, he was going to be like the, the world beater every week. Well, he showed some really nice flashes today, and I think that bodes well for the future. All right, let's table this defensive conversation, switch to the offense. Baker Mayfield, 19-21 today, 213 yards, uh, a touchdown. Uh, Nick Chubb really iced the game late uh, with that long run. He had 11 carries, 95 yards, average eight yards a carry, uh, the 26-yard run being his long. Kareem Hunt today gets 13 carries, actually out-touching uh, Nick Chubb as a rusher. Uh, you guys, just your thoughts on the offense as a whole. Of course, Baker Mayfield, that scare when he when he throws that interception, uh, when Anthony Short stops running his route there. Uh, he's taken in the locker room, comes back in, sounded like a, a his shoulder popped out of place, his non-throwing shoulder, of course, his left shoulder, and he's able to come back. Uh, Dan, you mentioned it. They found some momentum when he returned and, and seemed like they leaned on the run game uh, in absence of, of Jarvis Landry, of course. I'm going to argue with like found momentum because I think what they did is, I mean, they just went back to the thing they know always works. So I guess they did find momentum with that. He threw one pass to a receiver after he came back in. Yeah. Like all they did was throw four yard passes to the tight end and run it with their two awesome backs. So like, well, duh, like that's, we know they can do that. So that's fine. But like they stopped, 
<laughs> they did come out. It felt like they did try to come out and throw it around a little bit. And then he got hurt and they were like, yeah, back to the thing we do well. So um, that's not a negative. How about this? We're, we're, this is what happened. This is a good team doesn't play that well and wins a game podcast, which is the kind of podcast that Browns fans should be celebrating because you know how many bad team loses podcasts. I mean, like this is what good teams do. You get guys hurt. You look kind of clunky and you win anyway, right? This is how you get to double digit wins. They just stopped doing anything other than the most basic hand the ball off play action, roll out, flip it to a tight end. They didn't do anything else. And against the Texans, that was enough. But I'm not, I don't know that I would call it momentum or anything. It's just like the, the, it was play the greatest hits against a team that's defense isn't that great. Yeah, but Doug, isn't this what we've been saying the Browns need to lean on more is getting the running game going late in games and sticking to that? I, you know, this is a team that needs to get a lead, but in a way, if you don't want to use grab momentum, fine. Uh, I could say simplize their game plan, you know, get out of their own way. And they did that by just handing the ball off to their two running backs and letting their O-line dominate. And those are where their best players are located. I'm just not going to take much from it. Cause like, I don't think that game okay. plan is going to beat the Steelers and beat the Ravens and beat the chiefs again. All we talk about all stages, you've got to hit stuff over the top. You've got to spread defenses out. You've got to threaten them. They didn't threaten anybody in the second half. They yeah. had a quarterback. I mean, he wasn't himself. You could like his arm. I thank goodness. It wasn't his throwing arm. I didn't think that was the real Baker. And so they just tamped it down. So they did what they had to do without their two best receivers and with a one-arm quarterback. They did what they needed to do to win a game. But I don't think it told me about anything. We know they can do that. That's great. It's, it's great to have an identity. We know they can do that. But it's not going to be enough if they want to get where they want to go. I, I do think we need to put a pin in, in kind of how they played there after Baker came back. I, I think we need to note that because you're right, Doug. It was seven of eight runs when he came back in the game. So seven, eight plays, seven runs. Then he threw on the, uh, on the next play, and then he scrambled in. And Kevin Stefanski said he didn't want to get Baker hitting it. Obviously, you never want to get your quarterback hit. But it's going to happen. It's part of the game. Well, Stefanski made it clear that he did not want him to get hit again. And that's something to keep in mind as we move forward here over the next few weeks if that's going to be an issue. By the way, you mentioned the Steelers. Shout out to them for uh, squeaking out two offensive touchdowns today against the Raiders. Congratulations, Ben. Uh, but back to the Browns. <laughs> I gotta put the shots. You really in. wonder what this offensive game plan <laughs> would have looked like if Landry had stayed in there? Because I can't imagine that he would have been. The, uh, we know he's not the guy who would have been stretching the field. I mean, there was nothing down the field. That throw to Schwartz might have been it. Uh, everything else was just like Doug said. It was a short dump offs. Um, I mean, they, even before he got hurt, there was like three screens. I think on the first two drives. Scott, uh, Scott, was, we got we got a we got a first down Andy Janovich run today. You did, yes. It was exciting, wasn't it? <laughs> a little too much but, Andy Janovich today. Yeah, but this, this, just like the game plan, it was. Uh, I'm guessing you probably would have had tight end heavy offense if Landry had been in there. I don't. I'm just curious how it would really would have changed, but they really leaned into it. I mean, the tight ends. I think I ended up it was like ten catches for 110 yards. For those three guys, um, I mean, they just kept throwing to him. It kept working. So why, why try something different? You know, I wonder if they also didn't have uh, somewhat of a, a Kansas City Chiefs hangover a little bit. I mean, they had to get so up to go play the Kansas City Chiefs 
And, you know, they did. They came out and they played with their hair on fire in Kansas City and got up to that 22-10 lead and, uh, at, at halftime. I almost have to wonder if there, you know, wasn't a little bit of a, you know, we're having a hard time getting ourselves uh, extremely fired up for Tyrod Taylor and, and the Texans or something. I mean, I know they were at home. It, that shouldn't have been the case. It was the first time they had all their fans in front of them. But it just, you know, they just seemed off. And Tyrod Taylor had a lot to do with that. I mean, he came out uh, just with all guns blazing there uh, against his former team. But still, it just seemed the Brown, like the Browns were flat. Now, so, but maybe, like, defensively, we already covered that, right? They're new. They're coming together. Offensively, their best – their most dangerous receiver's out. Their, their second best receiver goes out early. They throw the ball to the second-year receiver that everybody fell in love with in camp, and he fumbled. So that drive ended. Then they threw the ball to the fast guy that everybody's in love with, and he decided to stop running his route, and it led to a pick that got the quarterback injured. So they decided, we can't throw to receivers today. So I, I, th- I don't know what their game plan might have been. Their two best receivers were out, and their third and fourth receivers. You know what? gave the ball to the other team the two times they tried to put him in the game plan. But they have so many other weapons on this team. I mean, I've seen Bill Belichick win games just with tight ends. They have so many weapons on this team and so many running backs that can catch the football and tight ends that can catch the football. I, I just don't think that losing Jarvis needs to be, uh, you know, the be-all and end-all for this football game. I mean, the, the Texans lost their starting quarterback – and we're down to a rookie who had never set foot in an NFL game before and took it to 24 to 21 with a 16 play drive. So I just don't think that Jarvis being out is enough to, you know, just to, to throw this whole thing off. But it's enough when your third and fourth receivers are non-functional in his absence. They were non-functional. Can I go back, I go back to the point though, that I was making after Baker came back? I mean, didn't they kind of figure it out? They scored on four straight drives. Yeah, they, they figured it out. Felton on a, I mean, here's, here's their drives after Baker came back. 10 plays, 75 yards, touchdown. 7 plays, 72 yards, touchdown. 4 plays, 6 yards, field goal. 9 plays, 82 yards, touchdown. And then they punted on their next drive, which is, I mean, maybe they would have gone for it if the game would have still been. They yeah. were just trying to pin the Texans back. So, I, I mean, for as much as, because, Doug, I think you're right. Those other receivers obviously weren't reliable enough, right? And going forward, you've got to have Jarvis out there. Hopefully, you'll get Odell back next week. I know Mary Kay, you wrote this morning that maybe it's trending that way. Right. So, I, I do think we should give them a little credit that they did. I mean, they did kind of figure it out. Even if it wasn't sometimes going back to basics, like we're just going to run Nick Chubb at you. But, I mean, they got to – was that Demetri Felton's first offensive snap? It was definitely his first touch, and he scored a 33-yard touchdown. Yeah. I mean, Demetric Felton gave them some of what they lost with Jarvis Landry. He took, you know, he, he was little Jarvis. I mean, he did some things. That, I, I don't think that, that anything could be really necessarily, like you said, Dan, I, I think they overcame that. They figured it out. And they have so many weapons on this team to be able to figure it out, and they did. I would not use the verb figure. Because they did what they always do. And, and this is a good thing. They have something to rely on. They literally, like you said, they could win a game with, one, with the quarterback having one arm tied behind his back. He did today. And they won because they know what they can do. 
They can throw to the tight end in the Stefanski offense, and they can dominate people with the run game. And that's what they did against an, an inferior team. Great. They could have lost this game, and they didn't. Great. But I don't think they learned anything. They knew this. Great. It's a gr- good job winning the game. But I'm not going like, to go – I'm not going to give them, like, a whole bunch of necessarily, like, like, new credit for it. This is what they do. This is what the whole game plan is. I get it. Great. Fine. You beat the Texans. But if you want to be something, like, at some point, that's not enough. And so you better get healthy at receiver. And the next time Donovan Peoples-Jones and Anthony Schwartz are asked to do something, they better do better than they did Sunday. Well, Nick Chubb fumbled last week, too. So those kinds of things happen. I don't think it's necessarily that, right? I mean, it's not necessarily that, you know, that's what Donovan Peoples-Jones is all about. I mean, they made, you know, they they did make egregious errors, but – those things well, happen in the course of the th- game. This team might just be way more top-heavy than we anticipated. Without Odell, without Jarvis, we see Donovan Peoples-Jones again go missing after a training camp that we all pegged him for a breakout year. And then Anthony Schwartz, I'm worried teams know exactly how to play him right now and just say, hey, go across the middle, young kid. We have all that because you are an outside threat and that's it. And really this is a – a crowning of Demetric Felton as now their most explosive playmaker as at the receiver position, assuming Odell and Jarvis either are continuing to miss time or take a little bit to get back into this offense. And Doug, I, I will say this regarding what figuring it out. I think it's important that your two running backs got double digit carries today, two games in a row dating back to really just the both Kansas city games. Cream Hunt was without double-digit touches. It didn't really have – They Kevin was not doing a great job at balancing him and getting him involved, and, and you found that today. Uh, in a way, it was by necessity because your passing offense was not clear, especially without Jarvis. So leaning back into that, and especially in a part of the schedule now where, it, you know, it's going to be a grind till this bye week – it's just easier when you're running the football, letting your offensive linemen push guys forward and leaning on, on those type of guys rather than, you know, putting in the ball in Baker Mayfield's hands. And that to me is what they figured out today. How did we feel about, see, this felt a little bit like the Jets game at times too last year when they didn't have any receivers and you kind of outside of Felton and that running game, he didn't get a ton from guys that maybe you needed it from. Now, Hooper put up good numbers, five for 40. Bryant, four for 49. He had that 29-yarder before Baker got hurt. Or maybe some of this is just Baker couldn't throw the ball down the field. But I've, we talk so much about these tight ends, right, how athletic they are, how they can stretch the field, how they're mismatch problems. So I guess in a situation like today, where was that? I mean, David Njoko had two catches for 18 yards. You know, like I said, Hooper and Bryant put up decent numbers, but they weren't really stretching the field. Well, I just think if Kevin Stefanski says he didn't want Baker to get hit, he wasn't going to call yeah, a seven-step drop and let him sit back there in the pocket and let the pass rush get to him, right? I mean, they were going to get the ball out of his hands. So I don't even think – I don't even – were they running routes down the field? I mean, it's not like he was looking, was he? he I just think they can't play left tackle. Yeah, right. but, and maybe, maybe they were keeping those guys in. I mean, this is sort of the nature of – these podcasts like we don't see everything in real time because sometimes we've got our heads in our computers but um yeah. you know maybe they were keeping those tight ends in a little a little bit more to protect baker 
Yeah, let's go around the horn on this before we get out of here. Uh, biggest injury concern going forward for this team. Right now, for me, it seems like this team is desperately in need of getting healthy. And for me, I'm going to say Odell Beckham Jr. This is a guy who we, it sounds like week three is the, the sweet spot. And now with Jarvis Landry out, it seems like a, a heightened and urgent time to get him back on the field. And we'll find out soon whether that's the case. But as a, a passing in that looked as flat as it did today, and for reasons that we laid out, I think getting Odell back could put this team back to into a, a passing like that we saw that was shown in Kansas City and that we anticipated uh, throughout this season. Anyone else injury biggest injury worries? I mean, it's easy to go with Odell, and I do agree that that could like the offense really needs that. Yeah, <laughs> especially yeah. if Landry's going to be out for any length of time. Uh, I like Felton in the slot as a replacement, though. Uh, definitely after today, um, be something fun to see. But I think figuring out who's going to play left tackle and be able to stay there is probably a big deal. I mean, they can, as we saw today, they can survive and they can make things happen, be creative enough on offense to get their tight ends open. Um, so, you know, if, if it comes to a game or two where you don't have all your best receivers, all right. But if you don't also have your, you know, your starting left tackle, then you could probably run into some problems there, especially – in the run game as well. So I, I'm probably going to lean more towards Jedrick Wills right now. Um, but I am excited to see what this offense can do with, with Beckham in there. I'll go with Beckham. I'll, I'll give you that, Ellis. I mean, right now, uh, it's, it's important to get him back. And as Dan mentioned, I did write that he, um, you know, that's, that's kind of the goal to get him back. And now I think uh, it's it's going to be e even more of a sense of urgency to do that. But we all know this about Odell. We know this now. He's going to play when he is ready to play. It's going to be on his terms. And if he's ready to go on Sunday, then he's going to play. Uh, so I think we need to keep that in mind. I think it will happen. Uh, but he is not going to put himself in jeopardy physically uh, if, if he doesn't feel up to it. I mean, someone's got to say Jarvis. I don't. So he's having an MRI. Does that? Do we have any idea of what that indicates? We just got to wait and see. I mean, if if it's a sprained MCL, that's. I mean, that's concerning. That that might be a few weeks. So that's I don't know. Spe speculating. I don't, I guess I would feel would Higgins get a lot of his snaps? I mean, Felton in the slot too. I guess right, but just. I'm just very down on what I saw from the young receivers who were the other potential deep threats today. So for that reason, I would say Odell, because that's the, they need Odell to stretch the field. But I would not like to see this team go for a length of time without the heartbeat of the team doing his thing. So uh, it is very important for Jarvis Landry to be healthy for the Browns to be who they can be. And we all know that. Yeah, I mean, that, that was going to be mine, is Jarvis, if he misses time. This is a guy that has never missed a game because of injury. So yeah. he's reliable. I've said this before on the pod. We talk so much about the Baker-Higgins connection. Like, the Baker-Jarvis connection blows that out of the water. The, the plays those two guys made together are – I mean, he, is, he really is Baker's kind of safety blanket in a lot of ways. And on top of that, we see Kevin Stefanski loves to use him for all that eye candy, all mm -hmm. that stuff, you know – He's just so polished. And Scott, I'm also intrigued by maybe seeing Felton get some of those opportunities in the slot. But at the same time, Felton's still a sixth round running back. So, 
you know, it, it, it would be asking a lot for him to do what Jarvis can do. So I think you would lose something not having Jarvis out there. So yeah, I'm, I, I'll, I'll be the one that says Jarvis. Before we go, I just want to welcome all the fans to the new era of Browns football. This was a complain about the win podcast, and that's how you know you're good. Maybe because the bar all, is high. Maybe we should all say something nice before we go. We don't have to pander to these people. We don't have to pander to them. They know that they're excited. I hope you had a great time in the Muni Lack. Congratulations. It's great to have the fans back. Football is back in Cleveland, and this is a really good team. That was kind of a game. <laughs> so they got stuff they need to do better and they have injuries on offense that they get the defense got to play better. Awesome. Complain about a good football team. There's nothing I would rather do. <laughs> I hear that. And I'll speak for fans too. I feel like Baker Mayfield on this injury note should try to avoid being near the tackles and the action and the pitchbacks and the lead blocks. Uh, I know that's never going to change, but Kevin Spancy said after the game, he's dealing with soreness for obvious reasons. And when you play the most important position in sports, uh, you go as, as the quarterback does. And, uh, but that's Baker Mayfield. That's also what makes him him. He had the rushing touchdown right after and it, he'll shake it off. He, he's as tough as they come. So, all right, on that note, we're going to wrap things up here at first energy stadium for myself, Mary Kay, Doug, Scott, Dan, I'm Ellis. Thanks for listening. Y'all.